this is my instant reaction for Ghostbusters Afterlife. I'm joined by guests, but before I get to my guest, I just want to say my piece. Uh, my piece is this, that this movie is going to be hard to talk about without getting into spoilers. So it's probably going to be about five seconds of non-spoiler talk, and the rest is going to be uh, spoilers. I'm gonna, Actually, I'm gonna, I'll try, my guests and I will try to talk around certain things. Um, I'm just going to give you my impression straight off the top. For those that don't know, for those who are maybe new listeners or are just tuning in, I'm a big-time Ghostbusters fan. I do not own a Proton Pack, but I'm seriously considering buying the HasLab $500 movie accurate Proton Pack, which is the most money I will ever spend on anything like that in my life. I don't have collectibles. I don't have anything like that in my life. Um, I'm not like the guy in my screening who was in full jumpsuit and movie accurate gear and movie accurate Proton Pack. Um, but I love Ghostbusters is my favorite movie as a child. One of my favorite movie memories is seeing the sequel when I was a wee little lad with my dad. And uh, I'm not going to Kevin Smith this where I'm like crying about Star Wars, The Last Rise of Skywalker. I'm coming up on an important anniversary. <laughs> The uh, last time I've seen one of these new uh, was in 1989. And in a nearly sold out theater, the only empty seat that I saw <laughs> was the one by me. Uh, So this is going to be a hard one. Uh, that being said, um, this movie, and if anybody was going to be like extra hard on a Ghostbusters movie, it is me. This movie's fucking awesome. <laughs> this movie, it's just a good movie, which I think helps it. It goes a long way by just being a good movie. Not Ghostbusters, not Ghostbusters. It's a, it's a very good scary family funny family movie um and we'll get into more of that because i think i had maybe the best audience i've ever been in a theater with since like the 90s uh which is i don't know really, i didn't even didn't didn't even know that people still behave like this in theaters where they engage with the movie <laughs> so that obviously enhanced it um but it is at this point 40 years almost 40 years later from the original down one OG Ghostbuster and then being very old, except for Ernie Hudson, who doesn't age. Um, this is the best way you could possibly do it. And it does not, in my estimation, recapture the magic of the lightning of the bottle, of the first movie. But I think it gets pretty darn close of recapturing the feel of that movie in a weird way. Um, I think Jason Reitman did it. I think he, it took somebody who like grew up with the movie literally on the sets to be able to like figure out like, 
what the formula is. And also it's its own thing. So I think this movie is really freaking awesome. And I think um, it's got laughs. They did a very novel thing, which is they saved the best jokes for not the trailer. They saved it for the actual theatrical experience, which, again, uh, who would have thought? Uh, they saved the best scares. There, there are some spooky, scary moments. Um, and it's heartwarming. It's a very warm movie in every way imaginable. It's very sweet. McKenna Grace is fucking awesome. And I think it's great. And the history of legacy sequels, which we've had a ton of them at this point. If Creed is the best and Force Awakens was probably like second best, I'd say this is now the second best. Um, the, these reviews of where it's just the stinking, rotting, bloated corpse of a dead franchise and it's nothing but wall-to-wall references to old Ghostbuster stuff. It obviously is referential but it is even when it does references, it does them in ways you really wouldn't expect. And, um, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't of all the fucking legacy sequels we've ever gotten. I didn't find this one to be the like most heavy handed of references. I didn't, I didn't get that at all. Uh, and we'll get to more in spoilers because I do have some issues with it, but I thought it was great. So I, that's, that's my piece. Now I'm going to give it to Lady Juan. Uh, thank you for coming on. Hello. Um, <laughs> what, what's your just general impressions? And then we'll do a non-spoiler conversation piece about it. Um, general impressions. I'm, I'm on the same page. It was so. I liked it so much. It's a good movie. Like you said, like it is just a, it's a movie on its own. Mm hmm. It's. They do enough that if you were somehow unaware of Ghostbusters, you are still enjoying this. And you don't feel as someone who, you know, saw Ghostbusters like two weeks ago, I don't feel like I'm being talked down to with the explanations either. They walk like a perfect line. So it was it was so nice. It was such a good family movie and scary and funny and it looked good. Yeah. And yeah. Some of the stuff in the third act, I thought this looks fucking amazing. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. First, yeah. this is a smaller budgeted movie than the last, which I'm not going to get into that, but this looks a million times better. And I, I, I just, it's, I, I, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to cut you off. Go, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's, it's, it's, I'm nothing but positive. It was just a delight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Okay, so right around Halloween time is sort of, I think, they, they do it almost every Halloween. Ghostbusters will come back in revival theaters, and sometimes it's a Fathom event, or it's this or it's that. And, and they especially did it this year, I think, leading up to this movie. And we both got a chance to see it Halloween weekend, the original 1984, on the big screen. I've seen it on the big screen like four or five times now. It's probably my fifth time, I think, um, ever since the 25th anniversary, I think. Pat R.I.P., who I very well may have to contact via seance to let him know there's a good <laughs> Ghostbuster sequel finally. Uh, I may have to, like, summon his spirit and, like, take it to the theater with me. Mm. Um, but um, I, I, had you ever seen it on the, the original 84? Did you ever see that on the big screen 
before? Mm-mm. Halloween weekend. No. What were your nope, thoughts of that movie? Because here, here's why I want to draw it out. I'm obviously yeah. a homer. Oh, yeah, you are. You like Ghostbusters. Yeah, you like Ghostbusters, but you're not a homer yeah. for Ghostbusters. No, I don't have a deep emotional attachment to either of the... I, it sounds weird to say either of the original two, but you know what I mean. I don't have like a deep bond to those. I saw them. Yeah. I liked them. And um, the cartoon was much more like prevalent in my childhood and mm-hmm. really than the movies were. So it wasn't. I yeah, was true for a lot of people. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So have so now that you've seen 1984 on the big screen, the original, yeah. what did you think of that on the big screen? It kills on the big screen. It's so good. It's just, it, it plays so well to be older than me. And uh, I was really impressed. It was the first time not seeing it like on like a small TV. Because I don't even think I had watched that since I got like a big, nice TV. Mm. So it it looked so good and the vibe in the theater was great everybody was there for it like it was just it was a great experience and and it's still funny yes it's still so funny it's a movie that was which is bizarre because it's a comedy (laughs) but obviously at one time it was the most expensive comedy ever made and then it became the highest grossing comedy ever and it was so popular in 84 they just put it back in theaters the next summer in 85 <laughs> and it was the number one movie again it, yeah. they, they they the ghostbusters ended up getting the nickname the the superstars of the supernatural and uh they, <laughs> they called it the greatest spooktacular in film history or whatever so i think if you're younger you don't understand like this was a phenomena this was mm-hmm. this was the number one movie for like months it was the number one song on the radio. It was the number one record. This was this took over, and not just in America, globally. It worked around the world. Then it had one of the longest running, most popular cartoons and toy lines in history. <laughs> yeah. And then they made a mediocre sequel five years later, um, and that also just so happened to come out like the week before Batman '89, which was going to be the biggest movie on the planet, and it was. And then this thing languished for 30-some years, and we never got a true Ghostbusters 3. And then they did the reboot, and uh, there's a lot of problems with that movie. The cast is not one of them. Um, uh, and their gender certainly are not a problem, because we got ourselves a female Ghostbuster in this movie, and she's fucking awesome, because she's yeah. an actual character. Yes. And we, sp- and we go back to like the first movie and we just talked about this on our Tom Hanks episode. This movie has the sensibilities of like a splash, which is you're going to spend 20 fucking minutes just getting to know these people. Yes. Yes. And, and we're dancing around a lot because this movie just goes for it from scene one. Mm-hmm. Oh. From scene fucking one. <laughs> and this movie's like, we're going for it. This is a Ghostbusters movie. You're going to know it's a, we're not re, we're not just going to repeat a bunch of old shit. We're going places and we're taking you with us and you better be fucking ready. Yeah. And 
So here's what blew me away. No, no spoilers. Obviously, there's going to be older members of the cast who appear. Janine Melnitz, who's in one of the trailers, appears. And this blew my fucking mind, Lady One. I was there in a packed theater with old white guys, not a surprise. Multiple generations of college kids, teenagers, and like five-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were decked out in their Ghostbuster shirts and whatever, which is like, oh, okay, this franchise is this this has this isn't just in my head. This is real. <laughs> People really give a shit about this. Yeah. And there was this group of young girls, like preteen, kind of early teen girls. And they were there and they were all girls of color. When, and, and which I thought was fucking amazing. And this, by the way, this theater was full of people of every ethnicity imaginable. It was like, what? I was like, what is happening? Um, and the first thing that got a reaction, the first thing out of these young girls was Janine Melnitz. The <laughs> girls went, oh, and they started clapping. Aww. And I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> this old-timey movie <laughs> still means something to new generations of people. And we haven't, it's not like Star Wars where they've been making 30,000 of them. This, for a long time, this was just a dormant, it was gone. It was just on home video on tiny TVs and Cartoon reruns, and that that was it. Extreme Ghostbusters, they tried to reboot it in the 90s, and it was okay, but it was, this is not something that's been, like, yet <laughs> milked to, to death. This was something yeah. like, we're never going to get another one of these because Bill Murray keeps shredding the scripts, and, and then Harold Ramis passed. So for me as a lifelong fan, to have young girls and young girls of color, like that's a big fucking deal. To pop <laughs> in the theater for Annie Potts. <laughs> it blew. This isn't Chewbacca. This isn't R2-D2. This isn't the Millennium <laughs> Falcon. This is Janine Melnitz. This is the secretary who was who said, what do you want? You're right. This is the feisty secretary. And she's still feisty, by the way. <laughs> and she was fucking great in this movie. In a little bit she had. She was great. We'll get into it in the spoilers. Um, and when they went to, every time they did little references to the original movie or tied the original movie with this movie together, the young people reacted to the old stuff. And this is, the, this is a sign that the movie is actually good. <laughs> and it's not just in my head. The old people, even older than me, reacted to the young kids. <laughs> and then what you have is you have a cross-generational, truly for the whole family movie where you got 50-year-old white guys laughing at a character called Podcast, who you would <laughs> think would be very annoying, and he is charming as fuck. <laughs> and that's that, this is the first thing that kid's ever done, Logan Kim. This is his first movie. He's so good. He is so, like, if you name your character podcast, like, you just, you look at the marketing, you're like, oh, fuck me, man. This is going to yeah. be a cash grab, blah, blah. It's not. He's a real person. He's so good. <laughs> and there's an, even a really funny explanation for why he's called podcast. It's so charming. 
And I, I like McKenna Grace is 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 obviously Harold Ramis, aka Egon Spengler's granddaughter. They reveal that in their trailer. She's not doing an Egon impression, but she is <laughs> like she's her own character. But yeah. you're, you believe that is his granddaughter. Yes. It yeah. is. She nails something in his. It's not an impression. She nails something in her performance that she nails the spirit of Harold Ramis. Mm -hmm. Not she's not imitating him, if that makes any sense. Yeah. She's like, oh, yeah, that's fucking Egon's granddaughter. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I and again, if it didn't pass the smell test. I would, I would be like, I would be pissed about it. He's like, they fucking, it's Egon's granddaughter and it's cheap, but it's, a, it's not. It is such a, it's, it's a throwback to the way that they used to tell stories in the yeah. 80s, which is we lead with the characters and the characters are funny and they're charming and they seem like semi-real people and this seems like a real town and this is a real world. And the special effects kind of slowly creep their way into the movie. And when they do, um, I'll even say this, even fucking Muncher isn't terrible. Which I was like, oh, God, Muncher. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> um, but I, I, was, I was, you know, halfway through the movie, I'm like fist pumping for this girl because there's a very particular scene with her and I'm like come on come on come on <laughs> <laughs> and that what that is is they've got you to buy into that character mm -hmm. and little podcast and and I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say I like Paul Rudd in general is this like I don't want to say the best he's ever been <laughs> he's He's Paul Rudd, but he's not doing Ant-Man. No. He's doing something completely different, and it's equally, it's like, it's a more grounded funny. Yes. And he's not doing, if you were, saw the trailers, you're like, you're afraid he's doing a Rick Moranis impression. He's not, never at any not point. No. Yeah, he's, these are all different characters. They're not. He feels like a real guy. Yep, yep. They're not pastiches of past characters. Not even um, mm. McKenna Grace, who's Phoebe, right? That's her name? Yes. yes. She's not a, it's not like, okay, well, this is the Ray, and that's the Vagman, and that, nope. that's not what they did here. They just built whole not new characters. All. But in the world where the events of Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, Ghostbusters 2 is like mostly ignored, but <laughs> there's some references to it, one in particular. And... um. It's 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 like the world has moved on from these events of the first film. So having just seen the first film, mm. recognizing that it plays on the big screen. Yeah. Did you feel that this was like overly referential to the first movie to the point that it was like just nothing but nostalgia porn? Not even a little. I don't it, know where the fuck that's coming story. from. I, I, I didn't I didn't see that. I didn't feel that at all and i when they first released uh because this is not not spoilers because they put this out early when they first put out the stay puffed little clip i was like oh boy oh no yep this looks like 
trash. Oh, yeah. This looks stupid and cheesy. And that's not why there was like I was angry at the logic. I was angry, angry at how it looked. I was angry at the idea that it was in like a well-lit Walmart. Everything about it made me mad. Yep. And it plays in the movie so perfectly. It's it cl- works. It's closer to something from Evil Dead. Like it's like Army of Darkness when the little ashes <laughs> are attacking Ash, right? Yeah, Th- that's what they are. Th- that, so yeah, you think like, oh god, this yeah, this is some like. No I offense. laughed out loud at yeah. those little marshmallows. <laughs> and it, it gets dark. <laughs> yeah, I was laughing so hard. Yeah, that's the other thing. This movie has a dark edge to it. Yes, it does. Like yeah. if you're like, oh well, I saw people complain. It doesn't look scary. No, there's some dark no, shit I, in this movie. I jumped a bunch of times. The kid next to me, yep. the small child next to me, jumped honestly not as many times as me, which made me feel bad. Uh, but that kid curled up and like buried his head in his dad's shirt at one point. The dad was like, no, it's okay. It's okay. And I was like, oh my God, I'm here for this moment <laughs> in this child's life that I don't know. That was very awkward right next to them. But that's, like, it's Ghostbusters. It should be fucking yes. scary. I, we're, we can't get into it, but the opening scene of this is fucking creepy. Yeah. This movie, I'm telling you, when it, when it comes to jokes, it's not as funny as Ghostbusters 1. No. That's one of the greatest comedies ever made. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, it just is. It just is. It's one of the funniest fucking movies that will ever exist. This movie is funny in its own terms. Mm-hmm. This movie, it it doesn't feel like, even though it's like not in New York and this, that, whatever, it does. Oh, it doesn't feel like it's in a different universe that's not connected at all to go. It feels they like Reitman Jr. <laughs> Jason Reitman. <laughs> he got the tonality right. Yeah, it's the closest. I think this is closer in tone, closer to in tone to Ghostbusters than even Ghostbusters Two is at times. Because Ghostbusters 2 gets like a little too poppy. It's a little too like there's there's some moments in Ghostbusters 2. Um, but but there's something kind of off in the feel of that movie. I think this gets back to the feel of the original. Um, because they're not fucking around with the scares. They're not fucking around with the threats. They're not fucking around with the comedy. They're not fucking around with the characters. Like yeah. this, you get here's what this is a labor of love. Yeah. You feel it. Yeah. (laughs) If they're going to milk your childhood franchise, the least they could do is give a shit. Yeah. And I'm terrified if Jason Reitman doesn't make the, another one (laughs) because people, somebody's going to be like, Oh, well we, we figured it out. And it's going to be probably a ghostbusters two two. (laughs) but with, you know, we'll, we'll get into it, but. This guy clearly, uh, <laughs> before the screening of the 84 Ghostbusters, they didn't show a trailer for the movie. They just showed this, like, kind of, see, at the time, sort of, like, odd, almost, like, therapy session between yeah. Jason Reitman and Ivan Reitman about, like, sometimes it's been tough to be your son and all this sort of stuff. But he's like, I just wanted to make this movie. 
to be like all about. <laughs> You're going to have to say it. I can't say it. Recap what they said. They talked about how it was about the generations passing the story down, the relationship uh, between Jason Reitman, Ivan Reitman, father and son, uh, Jason growing up, like you said, literally on set of the movies and living it with this legacy of this movie that was made and then wanting to carry that down so that more generations can enjoy it together. So the people who are fans of the original can enjoy this new one with their kids and so on and so forth yeah. for as long as the movies will continue to be good. I think that he grossly underestimated how many kids still give a shit about Ghostbusters. But Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, but but uh, here's the thing. It's... It still fucking plays. And so you can yeah. show it to a kid and they're like scared and thrilled and they think mm -hmm. it's funny and they don't get the innuendo and they don't care that people are smoking. And they, there's, it's a magical fucking movie. I mean, and so that heart, what you just said, you feel it. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what I'm responding to more than anything. Like, obviously, I have personal bias and personal trauma and everything else, but. I don't know the last time I watched a movie with fucking art like this, like a, a IP movie where it was like love was put into it. Yeah, it felt it. It felt like, like you said before with that, like the 80s sensibility, but in in all the best ways where I was like the the opening scene and, and not to get into any spoilers of it, but there were parts in the way, just like the scene, like the shots and cuts. And I was like, I kind of feel like I'm watching back to the future right now. Like yep. it just, it, I was like, Oh, I, this like immediately I was like, Oh my God, this feels like a movie yes. and not like some nonsense. Like it feels different. Yes. Like, it, Well, what they did was they got a really... Jason Reitman's a good filmmaker on his own, right? He's made mm -hmm. good movies. Yeah. <laughs> he obviously, like, gets it. And in that same little weird non-trailer trailer therapy session we, that played before the screening, <laughs> um, Ivan Reitman low-key directed some of this movie. <laughs> right? That's basically what yeah. they're like. And without upsetting unions... Yes. My dad was on set. Yeah. And was like, you got it or you didn't get it or you need to do yeah. that again. So they low key snuck Ivan Reitman in and he kind of like did it again. Like, but with yeah. his son. Yeah. And they kind of co directed this thing on the down low. <laughs> and good on Ivan to be like, I just want my son to get the props for this and I'm going to kind of take a back seat, which is just. Mm. Um, I can't talk about it anymore without getting into spoilers. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, go see it in theaters, please. Yes, immediately. It's it, it's it's depending on your kid. It might terrify the shit out of your kid. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. Um, there is an Orlando, Florida reference. 
And I 100% believe that that is a reference to the Ghostbusters universal attraction, right? <laughs> it, it has to be. Yeah. As, as soon as they said that, I was like, oh, yeah. is that? Oh. Yeah, because there was like some kind of a line where it's like, you know, if, if something, it, it was something about the Ghostbusters coming back and the, the villain of the movie coming back. And if you're going to come back, where would you go? And that was like kind of the plot of that, right? Was that. The spooktacular was that like the gozer showed up in yeah. Orlando while you yeah. were they were they were talking about what the Ghostbusters did in the past. Yes, and then the new and then, and then it starts then to happen again. Starts to happen again, and then <laughs> they show up and save the day. Yes, uh, and so that had to be a reference to the Ghostbusters spooktacular. So, because here's the, here's. <laughs> That's what I mean, though, by like, you know, when there is an quote unquote Easter egg, it's stuff like that more so than anything. There are a few like on the nose. There's two really on the nose ones. Two absolutely on the nose ones. But there are a lot of them are actually like fairly subtle. Mm-hmm. And they're not insulting. It's not. Because here's no. the other thing. By the time you start getting Easter eggs and references. Early on, it's in service to this story, not in service to, hey, remember the past? It's in service mm-hmm. to what's happening now right. and to these characters, in particular Phoebe. And by the time we get to references that are a little bit more obvious or a little bit more fan servicey, you're so on board with these characters and this story that it it doesn't feel shoehorned in because now they're a part of the world of the Ghostbusters. Like it's just, mm-hmm. I don't, I, 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 I'm, I, I fully understand taking a, listen, have you listened to binge movies? I fully understand beating up on soulless franchise films. I also believe that when a creed, that's probably the last time I felt this was because you felt the love Ryan Coogler had with his father mm-hmm. for the Rocky franchise. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel that in Creed 2, even though there were good parts to Creed 2. didn't have the same heart because it didn't have Coogler. So when a Creed comes out, I'm going to fucking love that movie because it's not just some belated Rocky sequel about the bastard son of Apollo Creed, even though the continuity doesn't make any sense. With, because the movie's so good and it has so much heart, you don't give a fuck about. Well, when did Apollo even? <laughs> this kid be fifty years old. You, <laughs> you just you you let you, you suspension of disbelief <laughs> because they tell you a fucking story with real yeah. characters. This is that kind of movie. I'm not saying it's as good as Creed. I'm just saying it's that it's in that vein, not in the vein of the other soulless franchise like bad reboots that we've been getting for 15 years now <laughs> so if you are a ghostbusters fan and you saw the mini stay puffs and you saw the different stuff that you were like oh there's a muncher podcast mini stay puff fuck this movie lady Wan was right there with you i was yeah. nervous i was like ah oh, shit i don't want to sit through that and I, what i here's here's what i thought was gonna have to happen one I thought, 
okay, that's going to be like the pandering stuff that I have to get through for the moments that it really matter in between. You know what I mean? Like sometimes yeah. you have to take the good and take the bad. I got there. You have the facts of life. Like <laughs> you, you know, you just you, with all this IP stuff. If it's all so mixed and you have to sit through the shit that isn't for you to get to the mm-hmm. shit that is actually like intelligent, you know? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope. It all plays. It baby. all plays. And I was like, do I fucking like Muncher? <laughs> <laughs> the scene with him at the fire hydrant was funny. <laughs> Yeah, like and yeah, and I didn't spoil anything, but and there's there some dark shit with those marshmallow men, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's that's dark and it's funny. Yeah. And if you're like, I if some of us are scarred for a lot of different reasons because of the Sony hack and all the emails that came out and them threatening to sue the original cast if they didn't. Get on board and support their reboot. They're going to take everybody to court. And we all know the dirt. And it's no good. And that's why everybody's terrified of them. Sony getting fucking Spider-Man back. Because they're hacks at Sony. And we know that. I don't know what the fuck happened here. I have a feeling that they. After they blew $200 million. And got nothing out of it. They were like. Well fuck it. Give it back to the old guys. See what they can do. Give it to the kid. Well he fucking did it. Yeah. This is not a soulish cash, soulless cash grab. This is a, this is the best that they could have done this many years later, given what they have to work with. And I don't say that as like, like, well, like lower your standard. I would say that I went in feeling pretty positive about this. Yeah. Nervous, but positive. And I feel like the movie actually exceeded my expectations. It was that good. I was, I was like, I don't just like this because I like Ghostbusters and I'm willing to accept anything at this point. I like this because it's, it is actually good. Yeah. And you're right. Like I, like I haven't felt this in a long time where, yeah, like, yeah, just, there's just the scene through the downtown area with Ecto one that's in their trailers. It, it plays so much better than the, if you're worried that the trailer showed a lot, but they didn't give you context and context yeah. is everything. And there's mm-hmm. so much heart, so much fun, so many jokes, so many people were laughing in the actual in the theater. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> people were having an emotional response. People of all races, genders, and ages. <laughs> this is what popular entertainment used to be. <laughs> <laughs> This is not what you said on this, on this week's episode where it's like, oh, you've seen movies, right? No. This is this is like, no. yeah, this is not that. This is like, oh no, we're we're going to take some time to do like a little family drama. Here's here's the thing. This movie didn't even go, you've seen Ghostbusters, right? Nope. It didn't even do that. Nope. It was Yeah. <laughs> the whole story like it's you know, everything the, yep. is served. The dumb thing that movies do now is they superimpose the audience's knowledge on the characters. Yes. So they don't bother to explain things that a character wouldn't know because the audience knows. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we know about the New York cross rip. So why the fuck take the time to talk about it? Right. 
everybody in that world should just know about it. Well, that's not how the real world works. Right. And this movie even dives into that because when they start addressing it, she's like, that was 20 years before we were even born. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, of course. Like, and then they like, yeah. some of them have like, well, yeah, we've heard rumors about it. And, 80s 80s were a weird time <laughs> and, 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 then, and here's the oh you know what i loved about it oh my god you know the thing i loved about this movie is when they they when they're dealing with ghostbusters lore mm-hmm. there is it's not a wink and a nod of like yeah we know this is stupid but we're here like a lot of movies do now it's not embarrassed about ghostbusters so there's no, there's like, I don't know how to explain this, but I kept waiting. There was a scene with Paul Rudd and I kept waiting for him to be quippy and he wasn't. And in fact, he no. didn't say a goddamn thing because if what was happening in that scene was happening to you, you wouldn't be saying a goddamn thing. And I'm like, I'm so used to the Joss Whedon Marvel hangover we've been on for 10 years where now every movie has to cut tension with a fucking quip and like a self-referential wink and a nod. This movie doesn't have any of that except for one moment. And it's it's not it, but it is goddamn worth it when it happens because <laughs> you're like, that is exactly what they would say in that instance. And it's earned by the time you get that one kind of like a little bit of a wink. So uh, we've talked for a while. We're probably going to talk for a while more. <laughs> These are raw reactions. I'm not even probably going to edit this. So just <laughs> bear with me. Um, go fucking see this movie. I can't recommend it enough. If you're a hardcore fan, this is the one you've been waiting for. Truly. And if you're not a hardcore fan and you just like movies to tell stories with yeah. likable characters. It's just a good movie. It's sweet and warm and funny and scary and heart heartwarming and heart wrenching and creepy and silly and all of it. Go fucking see this movie. Give this movie your money, please. <laughs> there are so few quips in this movie it's wonderful just go see it (laughs) and it's ghostbusters so please go see it okay now we're getting into spoilers in five four three two one spoilers turn back now because trust me trust us am i wrong lady one when i say you don't want this spoiled for you no you don't you don't there's stuff in this the 30% they didn't show you in the trailers, whether it be jokes, mm-hmm. whether it be other things that they haven't alluded to at all, it's fucking worth it just to experience it. Which I would rarely say about any movie. Like, ah, whatever. You know it's going to happen. There's some twist in this. Like, just let it, this, just go see the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. That was your final warning. I was half expecting. Well, let me say it like this. I'm so glad they didn't open the movie 
the way that the first two movies in the reboot did with the classic kind of cold open, something spooky happens, then we get the ghost symbol. Mm. They don't do any of that, uh, which is automatically like we're kind of doing our own thing. But also eventually when we get, I don't know how to say this any other way, that by the time we get to the end of this movie, if <laughs> <laughs> it feels like, this is going to sound, this is so hyperbolic. It feels like they resurrected the franchise. And it feels like that's the message that they're sending because it's like, we got to earn our way back yeah. to that. Yeah. And they do. So when they give you the no-go symbol and the, they don't have a cold open, the, this whole movie is like a cold open for the next Ghostbusters. But it's a whole story in and of itself. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I do think, I think the opening of the movie is just similar enough yes. that it's like comforting, but it's also very different. And I didn't really think too much about how this one was going to start. Like yeah. I just, I just kind of sat down and was like waiting for it to happen. Um, but then once it started, I was like, oh, Oh, and right. as it kind of goes on, it's it it takes <clears throat> that setup that you're kind of expecting, which is like, okay, it's going to be like a regular thing and then interrupted by spooky scary. And it's it's not, no. but it is a scary opening. So it's. And how easy like would related. it be just to hit that nostalgia button and go just do the fucking thing that people have been wanting to do since 1989, right? <laughs> yeah. They don't do it. <laughs> and instead. Mm-mm. Please turn back if you haven't seen this movie. It's an actually scary scene. Yeah. Where we watch a demon dog kill Egon. Fucked me up. Because they just go for it. Yeah. They got a stand-in who looks enough like Harold Remus did when he died. There's a whole kerfuffle with him. You're not really sure what he's doing. There's something chasing him. It's not played funny. No. No, it's, it's scary. And sad. Yeah. And they lean into the sad. Yeah. Like, I don't know. They kill a Ghostbuster <laughs> in the first three, five minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. And they show you him being killed pretty much. And immediately that makes, it puts a threat into the movie of like, you have to address the fact that Harold Ramis is dead. Yeah. It's like, he's one of the Beatles. He's gone. Mm-hmm. And then they do this really th- smart thing, which would feel like pandering, but they do it so tastefully. It's insane. Which is, as soon as he's gone, you know, we, we cut away from his actual, like, death, but the fog, and they, they reuse the Elmer mm-hmm. Bernstein score, which is mm-hmm. perfect. They use mm-hmm. the original score, 
And then the new score, they made it sound like the old score. Yes. And so it's like a motif on the old and it's, it's seamless. So it's so good. And the, when the mist comes up and the, the demon dog attacks him and it cuts away and we cut back and he had a PK, PKE meter in his hand. And I mean, just the whole, the, the, his, how his plan fails and how he realizes like he's, he's dead. And all of this is communicated without dialogue. It's, yeah. it's communicated by editing and direction. Yeah. And he's just got to hope that somebody else can deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so cuts away, cuts back to uh, the PKE meter on the ground. And then just as it like goes to the title card, very the music is so sad. <laughs> it lights up. I was like, "Oh shit! Oh shit!" It is so like even the score, even the music from when his spirit comes back, like. To the farmhouse. This like after his death is so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> this whole movie is a like ends up being as much of a love letter to Harold Ramis mm-hmm. as to the Ghostbusters. Yeah. To the 100%. point that when his in-movie daughter is looking, discovers a wall where it turned out that he basically, he in the minds of the people, in the minds of his daughter, in the minds of the Ghostbusters, he abandoned them and took off and kind of lost his mind and took a bunch of equipment and just took off in the middle of the night and they thought he kind of got, got off the deep end, which... yeah. Him being a guy who tried to drill a hole in his own head, <laughs> you'd kind of believe. And I, I think actually Ray would probably be the one who's more likely. But the fact is that uh, Dan Aykroyd is still alive. Yeah. So you had to make it Egon. But um, all of those photos are his real daughter. Harold Ramis' real daughter. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, my God. Those are his real photos. Oh. So she, like, wrote a book called, like, Growing Up with a Ghostbuster or something like that, like, (laughs) after he died. It was just about, like... Yeah, he was like a famous comedy writer and all this sort of stuff, but like he became one of the like most famous people on the planet because of Ghostbusters. Yeah. And so it's about her experience of that. And uh she kind of let slip on Twitter basically like she wanted to find a way to like 
service the fans and say goodbye to her dad. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's like why the story is what it is. Yeah. To the point that before the movie is even over, you get a dedication to him. Mm-hmm. Like there's still minutes and they yeah. just flash a dedication to him. Yeah. And then uh, he's a ghost throughout the entirety of this movie who we don't see. Mm-hmm. And he's just doing little things like playing chess with his granddaughter, helping his grandson like fix the Ectomobile, Ecto-1, mm-hmm. and just little things. And he's like guiding her, which instantly <laughs> uh, you would be like, he's clearly... He clearly recognizes that this is like a really smart kid. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, I, I got to like, <laughs> she's me basically. Yeah. So she'll be able to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. And he like guides her or whatever. And she helps rebuild a proton pack. And the, the, what got me was actually really funny is when he's like, how they do this is like very sweet, but it's like he like controls lights and just the ghost stuff, right? Yeah. And she's like finds a proton pack, and he like he guides her to like take it apart and look at it, and she's like, oh, it's missing this and that, and then like he's like opening drawers and like the parts are in there and tools and whatnot, and she's like, how did you build? <laughs> an accelerator so small and then they're like a, the lamp just like flashes over to the wall and it's just nothing but degrees and so she's like okay i get it you're a genius and they're like the the just like how they got like comedy out of a lamp yeah yeah i don't know how they got a lamp to feel like egon spangler <laughs> but they did because like the ghost is kind of deadpan right yeah, like they were getting like actual emotional and comedic moments from a lamp and a child. Yes. <laughs> and all that credit goes to her, man, because McKenna Grace is She's amazing so in this movie. Yeah. She's so funny and lovable and her ill. She seems like a real kid. Yeah. Her ill-timed, awkward jokes that are kind of dark and, <laughs> but done kind of like, it's just, it's, it's perfect. It's like, it's Egon's granddaughter, but like in a modern, like it's just, it's, she's perfect. She is perfect. Yeah. And she's in summer school for some reason, which that's probably don't understand. Why would she be in summer school? Uh, because uh, her mom said that she signed her up for it because it was something to do. Like it was, it's basically, it was free and it was something to do. And she's yes. like, here, go to summer school I remember that you now, like yeah. school. Yeah. She's and like, to try I to like meet learning. Yeah. To, yeah. To try to meet friends. Yeah. All yeah. of, all of her stuff about like public education was fucking hilarious. <laughs> 
And that was like the most like pure. It was like Egon saying about the firehouse, like the neighborhood is a demilitarized zone. All of the load bearing members have some severe metal fatigue. It was that kind of a like just a dry <laughs> logical takedown. And I was like, that's like that's that's Egon, right? But again, it's yeah. not an imitation. It's its own thing. But it's like, yeah. I don't I don't know how to. You just have to watch her, and then like, she's just a really good actor. Yeah, and she just fucking nailed it, and uh, <laughs> it helps that they kind of made her look a little bit like cartoon Egon. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, they did. Uh, and there's there's cartoon references in this. There's Kenner toy line, the gunner seat that was not from the movies. That's from the toys, and that's from the cartoon. Uh, uh, we're in full spoilers now. Winston being like obsessed with the car. And loving that car, that's from real <laughs> Ghostbusters. Um, her catching her and podcast struggling to catch Muncher was that was that played so well. Yeah. If you're worried about like, oh, is it too much like Stranger Things? Because Finn Wolfhard is. It's not really. Not at all. No. No. No, and he's a completely different character, and. He's fine. Like he, he went up yeah. kind of liking him at the end. He's not like the typical like I hate my kid's sister. He feels like a real kid. Like he feels like, you know, like there's like an offhanded line where the somebody's at the door, the landlord's at the door, and she's like <laughs> she's dealing with Phoebe who's egoning her room, which is a callback <laughs> to a cut scene from the original Ghostbusters where Egon was trying to they there was a series of cuts to Egon building trying to build prototype proton packs and one was when you could plug into a wall <laughs> and it completely melted the wiring in the wall and melted like it just like destroyed the <laughs> the uh, the socket and because he's trying to power a nuclear accelerator out of a fucking wall and that was like a straight call that was a callback to a deleted scene and but it works for her and it's and yeah. she's like can you get the door and he's like something like he's my like, i'm a kid yeah he's like my legs don't work or she's like yes they do he's like i'm a kid <laughs> it's like that's exactly what a 15 year old is like yeah. yeah it's like what your legs don't work i'm a kid yeah i'm a kid yeah 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 <laughs> um i think the biggest complaint that people could have is that the third act is basically ghostbusters again but it's here's the thing. It's not because it's on a way. It's the end of the world on a smaller scale. And two, it's a continuation of Ghostbusters. It's not a repeat of Ghostbusters. Yeah. And they set that up throughout the course of the movie. Mm-hmm. And when the when the reveal comes of like the reason why these earthquakes are happening is not because of like evil. It's not just because evil's trying to break through the dimension. It's because Egon is essentially like he figured this out. Mm-hmm. He figured out that Shandor, Evo Shandor, we'll get to him, <laughs> had this town where he mined and fabricated all the stuff that he needed. He used his wealth to do it so that he could build Dana Barrett's apartment. So he could build a temple of Gozer in New York City to summon her coming or it's coming. And um, Eon figured out basically the source of this cult. Nobody really believed him, which is also a reference to we're ready to believe you. 
and they didn't believe Egon, which is why when <laughs> uh, we'll get to it. Yeah. So he goes and basically like sacrifices his whole life mm -hmm. to guard this spot <laughs> really to protect his daughter and the world, but it's really for her. Yeah. <laughs> and the way they dole that information out, like through the course of a movie, like a story by the time the realization happens of like what he was doing and why he was doing it. And of course, what I loved about it is Egon wouldn't explain shit to anybody. No. He's just like, what's That's he going to say? That's not an efficient use of time. Yeah. So it was perfect. And what he had done was he set up fucking proton packs, basically, in yeah. this temple of Gozer. And there's this really fucking scary death sacrifice pit. Where the hell dimension of Gozer is c trying to rise up into our it's world. Like bubbling up. That was some creepy shit. Yeah. And every time it bubbles up to a certain point, they cross the streams enough. Because it's, it's basically like on autopilot. Yeah. And it will cross the streams enough. He's, he rigged up a PKA meter and proton packs. And he's got it set up to where it will cross the streams just enough to close the portal again. Yeah. Um, and he was just watching, he was just waiting and like studying and trying to figure out like how to permanently close this portal and he figured it out, but he got killed trying to do it. Yeah. So he's like, after the wonderful chase with Muncher and they got him and they don't have him and podcast fucks up. <laughs> And it's, it was wonderful. And they got him and they're like the car. And so that was so fucking cool, man. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, I fucking love that. And then um, they get arrested <laughs> <laughs> because they've destroyed this town with a proton yeah. pack. Yep. And the fucking kid doesn't have a license, which is, of course. And they're in jail or whatever. And it's like after the jail scene. I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of the order. The well, here's a great beat. I don't want to do like <laughs> when they're in jail and she doesn't call her mom, she calls Ray. Yeah. That could have been such a like that should have been like Fan service, right? Like, mm -hmm. she's going to call up the old hotline number and Ray's going to answer the old Ghostbusters phone and be like, whatever. And that's your fan service moment. That's yeah. not how they use that time. Yeah. It's an actual scene, and Dan Aykroyd mm -hmm. actually acts. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. hard. Like, when he's like, Egon Spengler can rot in hell. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And then when by the time like he starts to tell his story, when she drops on him that he's dead, he goes from being like this bitter old man and he I'm not like 
<laughs> he becomes like uh, an older version of, but like Ray again. Yeah. It's such a real moment of like, if you ever had an estrangement or just contention with somebody and then they're dead, all the bullshit just goes right out the window mm. because you're just like, <sighs> again, that, that could have been a fan service moment. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Ghostbusters, what do you want? Right? Like, just like, ah, oh, it's a line from the old movie. It's like, nope. And he fills in the blanks of what's happened, which is basically after Ghostbusters 2, what has happened, Lady One? What's, what's Ray say? Ray tells Phoebe that businesses had started to drop because maybe they were a little bit too good at their jobs and it's dropping and dropping. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> then basically, I mean, the, the band broke up. Like Egon figured like he was getting way more intense with like the end of the world's coming and nobody really wanted to hear that again. Um, yeah. so that was kind of, they all split off to do their own things. And, uh, Egon like left in the night, took all the stuff and that was the end of that. And, and then he called him 10 years later to say that, you know, he was out there working on some things, but that, that, that's it. Ray like, didn't believe him. No. Yeah. So, uh. Fankman's gone kind of legit, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah, he's teaching, <laughs> teaching advertising, <laughs> which is, of course, he is. Got a huge laugh. Oh my god! Yeah, from the theater because because it was yeah. like, of course he's marketing and advertising. Yes, of that was, course. <laughs> that was what he brought to the table. <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. And my my theater laughed at that. Ray is still running Ray's Occult from Ghostbusters 2, which is pretty much keeps that movie in canon. They don't talk about Vigo or anything. Although. <laughs> um, and then this I loved. This I fucking loved. Pat and I have been beating this drum since this podcast began. Friend of the show. You heard him on the 100th episode. Ernie <laughs> fucking Hudson. Winston Zedmore is the most successful out of any of them and is basically a billionaire. <laughs> yeah. But it's not played in like a corny way. No. It's like, yeah. There's even like, we'll get to it. There's even like commentary on, like a little bit of commentary on race. And I was like, holy shit, they went there. Um, and it turns out Winston's been like basically paying Ray's rent so he could keep the bookstore open because he's like, and they they seem like they kind of stay in touch with each other, but they've drifted apart a little bit, but none of them have yeah. really had anything to do with Egon. Yeah. And in this phone call, as Ray's telling the story, eventually she's like, you know, I'm his granddaughter and he's not, he wasn't wrong. I'm his granddaughter, blah, blah, blah. And then the phone hangs up. And it's mm -hmm. like, they didn't even have to show us. You just knew 
<laughs> like Ray's back in. Yeah. So, uh, as somebody who's not a homer, <laughs> in the end, um, let me let me go back a beat. Okay. The Evo Shandor <laughs> in yeah. his glass coffin at the mouth of a sacrifice pit. Mm-hmm. Full of damned souls of mm-hmm. Gozer worshiping. This is the most Ghostbusters shit you could say because it's a Ghostbusters movie. The damned souls of Gozerian cult miners who built an underground temple for her mm-hmm. or it and a shrine to this demon. <laughs> To try to summon it, and then we're casting themselves into a sacrifice pit, yeah, to open a portal to hell, basically, yeah, to let it out. They are begin to rise, and until Egon's the crossing the streams, this contraption he set up works, it actually re- begins to reanimate the preserved corpse. Of Evo Shandor, and when that fucking zombie, which is not not really a zombie, but it's really creepy looking, yeah, and like the whited eyes and the head, it begins to reanimate and it turns and it looks at podcast. <laughs> that whole like temple stuff that was like some Raiders of the Lost Ark shit. Yeah, yeah, that was some creepy shit. Mm-hmm. Remember how family adventure comedy movies would just have scary ass shit? <laughs> yeah. Like Nazis' faces melting and shit? That's this. Yeah. If I was a kid Ooh. seeing that, that part of the movie would have been the part that stuck with me and terrified me for the next like 20 or so years. It yeah. would have been him slowly turning his head and starting to, like, I would be having nightmares about that for ever. And who is Evo Shandor? (laughs) Just like, just casually J.K. Simmons. Just like, what's up? Yeah, they they cast as the corpse of Evo Shandor, (laughs) who's like in full Freemason getup, which I thought was Mm -hmm. a perfect touch. He looks like a guy from like the 30s or 40s who would have been in one of those weird, like Freemason groups. He's like in a weird outfit and shit. Yeah. Um, this is my one beef with the movie. I think they, when we get into the third act, I'm of two minds about it. Like the full third act where the hell mouth is open and everything's going to shit. Yeah. It felt like there was like an abrupt cut. Like we, we get to the possession where, uh, Egon's daughter's possessed. Paul Rudd's possessed. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you could be like, "Oh, well, it's a reference to the first movie, and we're going to play it for comedy." There's one bit that's kind of played for comedy. The possession is not played for comedy at all. No, <laughs> no. it's not as good as Sigourney's because, but I'm, but they didn't focus on it, which I'm kind of glad because then it would just be like, okay, we're dwelling on repeating the beats. It's enough. 
to get you where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it was just enough of it. Yeah. But man, that fucking demon voice and it was that scary. Holy shit. Like they they went back and did what Ghostbusters did. It was like the scary stuff is scary, the funny stuff mm-hmm. is funny, the down to earth stuff is down to earth, and mm-hmm. somehow it it meets in the middle, right? Yeah. But it did it feel like like by the time we like cut to Evo Shandor being raised from the dead, talking to Gozer, Gozer killing him instantaneously. Rips him right in half. To then Ecto-1 being in the cave somehow. I don't know how they got in the cave. To then Phoebe confronting Gozer at the temple and her on her throne. Did that feel like it was like zip, 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 zip real fast? A, a little fast, yeah. But It felt, it felt I, like something I was cut. Like I, I imagine there probably is. Uh, because it felt like when they're when they're leaving the house and Lucky goes off in the cop car and they're in the Ecto, uh, I was like, I th- I think there was more there. Yes. And and I I'm curious what it what it was. I'm sure we'll find out at some point. I don't know if maybe they thought it was like too something too dark happened or too whatever. Because uh, when she kills J.K. Simmons, she grabs what? him by the head and rips him in half down the middle. Yeah. As goo and shit goes all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And I, the only reason why there's not a lot of blood is because he's like kind of a zombie. Yeah. So they, they can like make it goo and green goo instead of like blood. Yeah. But it's a pretty graphic fucking death. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just ripped him right in half. Also, the whole bit of him showing them Cujo and Chucky, <laughs> which was which was hilarious. The audience loved it, but there's real yeah. five-year-olds who are now watching a movie with the scariest parts of <laughs> and Chucky. I was just like, that's again, we're like, they're not fucking around. Yeah. 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 Um, so the, the climax of this movie is, turns out, the whole movie they're referring to Egon as the dirt farmer, the dirt farmer, because mm-hmm. he's got all these <laughs> weird quotes of revelation which is from the first movie about the end of the world and on his this like dilapidated bar and he's written dirt which they think is like insane because he just keeps like fiddling around in this dirt he's on a farm but he's not growing any crops or anything yeah well come to find out he wasn't crazy and this was honestly this was pretty fucking clever egon realizes that the terror dogs and this is so fucking clever because if you watch the original movie, when Lewis Tully and Dana transform, I noticed this mm-hmm. as a kid. There's like this triangle that appears, and there's like some kind of power between them and this point in the temple is what opens the gate. Long story short, gate ma- key master gatekeeper. As long as the terror dogs are empowered or whatever you want to call it, reanimated, the gate is can open. Mm-hmm. So Egon figures out if I can like capture the terror dogs, which they didn't do in the first movie. Mm-hmm. They just closed the portal. They didn't capture the terror dogs. If I can separate the terror dogs from whoever they're possessing and capture them separately, I can forever keep them apart. So the keys in one place, the locks in another, never the twain shall meet. Fuck yep. Gozer. She's never coming back. Yep. 
He turns his entire field around this farm into one giant ghost trap. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to lure the terror dog. The other, he's got one. He's trying to lure the other one because they're like mates or whatever. He's trying to lure the other one and he's going to trap it in the field and fuck Gozer. And that portal up on the hill will close and presumably he can go back to his life. Yeah. He dies in the process because the mm-hmm. tech fails. The kids figure it out, blah, 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 blah. They're doing it. The, you would think it would be funny marketing tie in. Many Stay Puff guys uh, show up in the third act and fuck the whole thing up because they're evil. <laughs> and Gozer's really powerful and she looks, it looks amazing in this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's scary as fuck. And again, it's yeah. another thing when she's like only half incarnated because they have that half of the terror dog, which I thought yeah. that was fucking cool, man. That's a, that was just like, a geek out moment where Phoebe's like telling the jokes and Gozer's just like looking at her <laughs> and then Gozer's like, um, have you cut like in a really scary voice? Yeah. Like exorcist style. Like, have you come to be a sacrifice to me? And it's like, Oh my God. And she's like, are you prepared to die for me? Or something <laughs> like that. And she's yeah. like, no, I'm 12 years old. <laughs> but then when it was a badass line when she's like, are you, yeah. When she yeah. says back to goes, are you prepared to die? Yeah. And then little podcast is the fucking trap under the one terror dog. <laughs> and they suck the terror dog in. There are parts of this movie that feel like the cartoon in a way. Mm-hmm. Like when they like the, the cool badass moments from real Ghostbusters. It's in this yeah. movie too. Yeah. And they fucking capture one of the terror dogs and they tear ass out of there. So she's mm-hmm. only like half incarnate and she's like starting to fade away. Cause she needs both for the gate to be open. Mm-hmm. And she's like, ripping through a fucking cornfield as she's like so scary going back into the the death plane and she's like i don't even know how to explain what they did but she's like phasing in and out of our dimension as she's just this demon Mm -hmm. if i was like five years old oh my god it would terrify me yeah yeah and she's gonna kill a kid that's the other thing she's inches away from killing phoebe yeah. And in that moment, what happens, Lady One? Wait, like which moment? Sorry, which moment specifically? When they're back on the field and Gozer and Phoebe are are facing off and Gozer's about to kill her because she's like pushing the beam back into the proton gun. And you're like, how the fuck are they going to get out of this? Oh. <laughs> uh, that part is when our OG Ghostbusters arrive and my theater applauded. My theater applauded too. Yeah. And the, the first thing you, you hear off, off camera where he's yeah. like so, something to the effect of like, hey, Muffin, did you miss us? <laughs> flat top. Flat, yeah, that was it. Hey, yeah. flat top. Yeah. And it cuts to them full suits completely decked out yeah as original ghostbusters in a row the three of them and he's mm-hmm. like did you miss us some dude in the theater went hell yeah and the whole theater applauded that you no <laughs> i did applaud though yeah yeah and when the movie ended it got it the theater was like Woo! Oh, yeah. people fucking yeah. loved it and then the after credits people love that 
People love the movie. I don't know what these critics are smoking. What the fuck? Yeah. There's so many shittier legacy sequels to beat up on. Why are you beating up on this relatively low-budget, family-friendly one that's honoring a dead comedic genius and his real-life daughter? What is your problem? (laughs) Anyway, if you're worried that Bill Murray was just going to be Bill Murray, he's not. He's Peter Venkman again. He is 100% Venkman. This isn't like, well, like Harrison Ford's basically Harrison Ford, but he has Han moments in The Force Awakens. You know, that's a Han moment, right? That's not how the Force works. That's not how any of this works. That's a Han moment. You know, uh, the moment where he's like, uh, (laughs) uh, something like, I've never failed you. I've never let you down before. And he's like, yes, you have five times or whatever. And he looks to Chewie and Chewie goes, yeah, like that was a Han (laughs) moment. This is not Venkman moments. Mm. It is Peter Venkman. Yeah. And it's Ray. And it is Winston. Yeah. And so when when Ray goes on another one of his fucking nerd speeches and goes (laughs) her again, and Venkman is just like, you know, you know, I thought this was over between us (laughs) long time ago. Your friends said it was no good. My friends said it was no good. We went our separate ways. And when she again is like, she's like, you know, Ernie gets a lot more to fucking do in this movie. He actually has lines mm-hmm. and shit. Yeah. And he's like, she's nasty. It's a Ghostbusters moment. She's nasty and startling. He's like, oh, guys, I think she remembers us. It was so <laughs> good. And then. Uh, she's again, this, this was the one callback. I was talking about earlier, 50 minutes ago, where she's like, are you a god? <laughs> and Ray, again, yeah. Ray is like, mm, like he does not answer he it. He hesitates. Like, uh. Winston is like, Ray, are you kidding me? And then Bateman is like, come <laughs> on, Ray. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'm a god. Yeah, and they're like, we're all gods. <laughs> And I was like, the theater <laughs> loved that moment where it was like, fuck yeah. yeah. The Ghostbusters yeah. are gods because they got particle throwers. <laughs> fuck you, Gozer. <laughs> These schlubs. And here's the best thing about it is because they were always schlubs other than Ernie Hudson. It doesn't look weird that they're, they're just older. It doesn't look yeah. like, oh, that's sad. It's just yeah. older schlubs in schlubby yeah. costumes. It worked. <laughs> it did. Yeah. Like you could incorporate them sparingly, but incorporate them as Ghostbusters moving forward and it would be fine. Yeah. And in Ghostbusters fashion, they get their fucking asses kicked. Yep. <laughs> Again. And they, and they it's, I'm sure it was stunt doubles, man, but they go fucking flying. We get right into that car. I was just like, oh no, can't yeah. break a hip. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> and. Great. Yeah, and the kids banter. are even like, are they dead? <laughs> like- yeah. 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 Um, great banter between them. It was just mm-hmm. like, it's just, it's though it is your Ghostbusters characters. They're just a yeah. little older. That's yeah. that's it. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm I'm fumbling my way through this because the end of this fucking movie. Yeah. 
they cross the streams again to set her back to the dimension. And since there's only three of them, there's not enough. So Phoebe steps up in her grandfather's place as the fourth Ghostbuster. By this point, you're so fucking on board with her. You're like, yeah! Yeah. But it's still not quite enough because she's just a kid. And, you know, it's, it's just not quite enough. She's not quite strong enough to do it because she can't get close enough to cross the stream. And what happens? You're going to have to say it. Yeah. <sighs> and at that point, then we see uh, the, like, see-through blue ghost hands of Egon holding the proton pack along with her. He's on the other side with her and he's looking right at her like we can do this and he doesn't speak but he's just there and the Ghostbusters all just kind of turn and and look at him and they all take this moment to acknowledge his contribution and it's they couldn't do it without him and he showed up to take care of that. It is, you know, it's a deep fake or whatever, but it is, it's Harold Ramis, older, like older Harold Ramis. Yeah. He's in this movie the last like 10 minutes. Yeah. It's not, it's not quick. He's in the movie and has character beats as a ghost, (laughs) Mm -hmm. a visible ghost. He doesn't speak, but he has, there's acknowledgments. Yeah. Uh, and my theater was crying. I was crying. <laughs> again, you're not a homer. No. <laughs> no. And I was just like, oh, as soon as like his hands appeared, I started to get choked up. And then it got worse and worse. And every time I looked at Dan Aykroyd, I just fell apart because Dan Aykroyd is devastated in this. <sighs> finale like after after we've defeated gozer yeah and but he doesn't just just disappear when that's done he takes his time for everyone to kind of acknowledge and have their moment with him but dan Aykroyd, when he's just like i'm sorry i didn't believe you and he looks like he is just going to break down and fall on the floor crying he looks so so sad and i I couldn't even continue looking at him because i was just like snotting in my mask it's their real emotions. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't, I, it's, they had to be fucking, like, yeah. So weird for them to do it without him and mm-hmm. then to act through their real grief. And yeah. famously, him and Bill Murray had a falling out on Groundhog Day and didn't reconcile until he was on his deathbed. Yeah. And speak for like 25 years. Mm. And the Vagman line to him is, I had a, oh. <laughs> I had a feeling you'd show up. Or I had a feeling you'd make an appearance or something like that. Yeah. And it, do, it doesn't, it's like, it doesn't break the movie, but it, it's, it's, it's an Egon moment. It's a Harold Ramis moment. Mm-hmm. And when Ernie Hudson's like, I, 
like so, something to the effect of, I'm sorry, I should have called you. It's like all their real feelings towards Harold Ramis. And they mm-hmm. all get a chance to like express it. And it's like, it's real human grief in a Ghostbusters mm-hmm. movie. And it is hard. Yeah. And as a super fan whose favorite Ghostbuster as a child was Egon. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. With a dead dad. Oh Jesus. Yeah. I mean, people again, when his, it, it, it sounds cheesy. It's not. He has played so tasteful. When his hands appeared, the theater gasped. Mm-hmm. Like people went, <gasps> like audibly. Yeah. And not a dry eye. Yeah. I mean, kids were crying. Like, how do you, you even know who he got? <laughs> he's been dead. Honestly, he died like in 2013, 2014. Harold Ramis has been gone longer than these kids were alive. But he's not Harold Ramis to them. He's Egon. Yeah. He's a Ghostbuster. And people still give a shit about these characters. Mm-hmm. Even little kids. And so the kids are fucking crying. And so he's like, oh, oh Egon. You can hear like the murmur or whatever. And he gets a moment with his grandson. He gets a moment with the Ghostbusters. He gets a beautiful moment. Oh, the flipping of the collar. Yeah. It's like such a, uh, like whoever figured that out is just like, because, you know, Finn Wolfhard or whatever's in the, all the suits are too big. They're all, the kids are in Ghostbuster suits. Yeah. They're all too big. They're swimming in them. And he just, the ghost of Egan, just like, (laughs) this is a terrible podcast. I'm sorry. But he just (laughs) flips his collar just a little bit. It's like, that's exactly what a, a grandpa or a dad would do. Mm-hmm. Just like so lovingly as a ghost. Nuts. Yeah. And then he would brush her hair out of her yeah. face, out of her glasses. Just looks yeah. at her. Yeah. And then the shit with Carrie Coon is like, because she's oh. ha- has hated him her whole life. Mm-hmm. She didn't understand that he's obviously a terrible communicator. Yeah. I don't know how they fucking did it, but it, it's Harold Ramis, older Harold Ramis as a ghost. And just the way he like, okay, it's, it's his smirk. It's the Harold Ramis smirk, but it's, it's an acknowledgement of like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like I should have told, like it's, it's, how would you describe the look that he gives her? There's so much in it. Yeah. It's just so it's like 12 different feelings rolled into one, but it's, it's closure. Like it's just, it's there for both of them is just, we understand each other. I wasn't crazy. Yeah. I didn't, it wasn't that I didn't love you. It's because I loved you. I did. I sacrificed all this. Yeah. I wanted you as far away from this. Mm-hmm. To have a life. Again, no words. Nope. It's a CGI nope. 
character, but the expression that they get is just, it, like you said, it's like 15, it, it communicates everything you need to know and feel about that moment. Mm-hmm. You get it as an audience member. And when she runs to him, and, and they yeah. embrace, and then he fades away. Woo! And then it cuts to the original cast, and they're all fucking. Bill Murray is in tears. Yeah. And it's not like movie tears. And you're right. No. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd is fucking gutted. Yeah. You're really like, I, I, I mean, Ernie, all of them, they're just in tears. And then it just pans up from the Ghostbusters and it pans up to the sky and it just says for Harold. Mm-hmm. The movie, like the movie, the movie's not even over. No. <laughs> but his part in the story is over. That's a goodbye to Egon. Yeah. Which is really like, really fucking sucks. Yeah. It really sucks. It sucks that he's for his obviously for his family, for his kids, and for everybody. He died, but it it sucks. And so again, this is the best gift that his family could give to the fans. And at the same time, it is an incredible honor of Harold Ramis and this. It, incredible yeah. one-of-a-kind character he created and oh by the <laughs> way he wrote these movies so this is as much his as it is Dan Aykroyd's and yeah. what a way to honor him man it's like it's I don't know how to describe this any other way than every movie you've heard me bitch about where I'm like they didn't get it right like they didn't get the heart of it right that's yeah. if you really break down what's behind most of my gripes it's they didn't get the heart of it right. They didn't, they didn't understand why we love this thing. So when, you know, when you kill this character, you do this, it just feels like a tossed off like plot point of like, oh, that'll shock people because characters that this movie doesn't feel like that at all. It doesn't feel like they're like milking the corpse of Harold Ramis to try to like pull at your heartstrings. It feels so sincere and so wonderful. And when we cut from that, we cut back to New York. We get the skyline. We have Ecto-1 on, which bridge is that? Is that Brooklyn Bridge? I can't tell them apart from the sky. Yeah, whatever. You <laughs> see, but you see it, way, you got a bird's eye view, so you see the lights. Yeah. And then the fucking no-go symbol appears, and it, it doesn't say Ghostbusters Afterlife. It just says Ghostbusters. <laughs> and it's the old song, and it's almost like an intro to a movie. Mm-hmm. Cut to... Uh, does it immediately cut to Winston? Yes, it does. Cut to Ecto-1 being driven back into the original <laughs> firehouse. That Winston has apparently bought (laughs) back from Starbucks (laughs) (laughs) and he's bringing Ecto-1 in. They don't say anything. All you see is is Winston's hand. He touches Ecto-1 because there's a a scene earlier where Winston's like, 
what the hell did they do to you? <laughs> we're going to get you home and we're going to yeah. get you back to mint condition or whatever. And which I think is, I, that's like, to me, that's like, that's a jab. I think a little bit of like, I think the status of that car is a little bit of a metaphor of Sony because they put out a documentary maybe five, 10 years ago called like restoring Ecto one or whatever, which is Sony let the original Ecto one rot on a lot. Jesus. And like fans and the fucking ghostbusters had to pay for it to be fully restored and fans chipped in money because they didn't preserve any of it. That's yeah. what they thought of this franchise. It wasn't a franchise of them. It was one of the highest grossing movies ever made that made damn near a billion dollars in 80s money and a sequel that made like three quarters of a billion dollars or half a billion dollars. And that was considered a flop. And then that was it. It was the fans who have kept this alive. Mm-hmm. And so like that moment to me was like, what the hell have they done to you? It was like <laughs> the franchise the, of the property. And then we cut back to the basement and it's the original containment unit, which I guess was in the basement of a Starbucks. Starbucks, yeah. <laughs> and shit is going sideways. Yeah. And the red light is on. Yup. And there's a fucking voice that says something. And cut. And <laughs> Ghostbusters and all the great shit. And it's wonderful. We get two post-credit scenes. The mid-credit scene is... The way they played this is perfect. We get like an Avenger-style like credit scene. of like yeah. It's all of like the schematics of like... It's all Egon's notes and shit. And then they we get a credit for who? Did you catch this? Yeah, all of a sudden, Sigourney Weaver's name comes up. You're like, she wasn't in this movie. Bam, instant cut to Dana Barrett is back and looking amazing. Beautiful. And she's got Dana Barrett hair, but like a modern version of it. Uh Uh-huh. And she's got fucking Vakeman hooked up to the (laughs) test from the original. (laughs) And they still have the chemistry. (laughs) Yep. It was wonderful. Yeah. And he's he's not Bill Murray. Part of the reason why Ghostbusters 2 doesn't work is because he's more Bill Murray than he is Venkman. Mm. He is Peter Venkman through and through. Yeah, he really is. And <laughs> come to find out, like, he's, like, guessing all the cards right, but she's shocking him anyway. <laughs> And he's, he's, he's running this bullshit on her. He's like, when you really love somebody, you know, <laughs> you have a stronger second connection. She's just shocking him anyways. <laughs> Which leads me to believe that they ended up together. Yeah. Which yeah. is, thank God. <laughs> and uh, he's like, he says something. And then she's like, I just don't understand how you know these cards. And she's like, you marked these cards, didn't you? <laughs> And he goes to run his Vakeman bullshit, and she shocks him. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mark the cards. Which also, like, it's funny, it's fan service, but it actually shows character growth on Vakeman's part. Because that's part of what's in that scene, is like him being with Dana all these years, Mm -hmm. he has become a more honest person. Mm -hmm. 
Like he's still a liar, yeah. but he's a good liar, you know? Yeah. And he's also letting her run the machine. He's not running the machine. Like Correct. He and he even has a line of like, I only ever really shot the guys. Yeah. And she shocks him. <laughs> and he's like, come to think of it, that was pretty sexist of me or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You can tell like she's just like for 30 years just been rehabilitating this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's so good in this. And then if that like if that wasn't enough. We get a end credit scene. We live in a world in 2021 where Annie Potts is an end credit stingers. <laughs> I fucking live for this. This was done amazing. They cut to a deleted but completely restored scene. But it had been on the DVDs and stuff, but they restored it. Uh, it's a funny scene actually where <laughs> Annie Potts is coming up to them right when they're outside of Ecto-1 right before they come out to save the day and she's like this is a world 1940 whatever world's fair coin it's always mm -hmm. brought me good luck and whatever and I want to give it to you because like basically I, you know what she says in the theatrical cut like I think you're going to die and I don't yeah. want you to die and there is an insinuation that they might have kind of been something. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. She, she was like, uh, I was your... But even the way she plays that was like so much like tenderness at the beginning of the yeah. movie. She's like, I was your father's. We were, we were friends. Yeah. It definitely feels like... Because mm, she stuck around mm -hmm. in his life. Yeah. So some, something went on there, <laughs> finally. Yeah. And also, who's her mother? Who's out here fucking Egon? I, I don't know. Anyway, so cut to the OG footage. Cut to Annie Potts. Flip, because the, the end of that gag is, he's like, oh, Janine, I couldn't possibly take this. I'm, he's like, uh, there's a good chance I'm not coming back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it's a great scene from the original movie. And she's like, keep it. I've got another one. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> and so she's flipping the coin in her hand in present day. Cut to this high rise that she's in. It's Winston's high rise. And that's where he's like, being, he says something like, running around the city, catching ghosts with those guys taught me not to be afraid. And he's like, and so I do this for my kids, which is what Ernie Hudson has <laughs> always said about like, like why he acts in so many roles. It's always because he's in everything. It's, mm. he's, it's all of his money is going towards his kids. He's always just been a working actor. Like they just like, <laughs> they rolled in real life. They rolled in the fucking cartoon. They rolled in the yeah. toys, they, like all of it. So if you're a fan and like you've watched every interview and you know everything about it, like <laughs> this movie is for you, right? Mm -hmm. If you know what Harold Ramis's daughter looked like when she was in ballet, this movie is for you. Mm. 
And, uh, and he's like, and I also do it because something to the effect of like, he, he doesn't use like the words as like a black man, but it's something to the effect of, I learned that I had the tools and I had the talent, which was the call back to what he says in the first movie. And I need to use that to be an example to people like me. It's like, again, it's like, we're not, this movie's not ending without us addressing the kind of little awkward politics of like the working black man kind of, you know what I mean? Just being an also ran because to the fans, we've talked about this before. He never was. He was just the fourth Ghostbuster. Yeah. And the cartoon did a shit ton and just put him basically on equal footing to them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But even as a kid watching the movie, like I wasn't like, oh, well, you know, it's the Ghostbusters and Winston. The black guy was like, it's the Ghostbusters. Winston is a Ghostbuster. Yeah. And Ernie Hudson is integral to that first movie and the second movie working because he's just actually really fucking funny and, and good and he's the everyday guy that they these nut jobs bounce their shit off of mm-hmm. um so he's like you know i may have built all these businesses i may have had all this success <laughs> I, you know i may be tony stark but <laughs> i'll always be a ghostbuster yeah which Leads us to believe there's a little bit more there that he and Janine are going to fund or or she'll probably fucking run because she's a boss, (laughs) Uh, but he's going to probably fund and may be involved in a new generation of Ghostbusters in New York. Yeah. They've got the firehouse back. The containment units going sideways. Mm-hmm. Vigo maybe make another appearance. <laughs> I don't know. It sounded like a V to me. Um, I don't know. Max Van Sydow's dead now, so I don't know what we're going to do if, if Vigo <laughs> reappears. Uh, and again, these guys, like, because they were always schlubs, and that's the great line, and she's like, he's like, Ray was always the heart. Egon was always the brains. Uh, Peter was always the, what did he say? Peter was always the something. Oh my gosh. I can't remember. Whatever he said was perfect. Yeah. And she was like, well, what? And, and she's like, I still remember the day you walked in and she's like, uh, what do you, what do, what do you think you brought or whatever? Or something like that. And he's like sex appeal, which is yeah. actually true. <laughs> he's a handsome guy. And, um, fuck man. Ernie. I mean, Put those fuckers back in the suits. Give them, give them two or three younger people. Bring Phoebe back. Have a have yeah. a Phoebe podcast. Uh, we could do without Finn Wolfhard. He's not bad in this, but like get a couple of other fuck. Put Paul yeah. Rudd never touched a proton pack. Put his fucking ass in a proton pack. <laughs> Suit him up with the old guys. Have the old guys be the advisors. Ray's running experiments in the firehouse, yeah. kind of more in the like mentor position. Peter yeah. comes in and out as needed. I think it would work. It would. And here's the thing. It doesn't seem to be building in a way where it's like, okay, well now, now the old timers, their story's done. Now it doesn't seem to be, it may end up working that way, but they've left it to where it seems like it's going to be more of like a mixed cross generational thing. Yeah. 
which is, you know, go figure. <laughs> it's like, what if you made a Star Wars movie and Luke Skywalker fucking did something? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what if Luke Skywalker caught that fucking lightsaber and saved Rey to go off and train her to become a Jedi? Hail Ray must keep back from the dead, motherfuckers. <laughs> he yeah. saved the day. So they did it. So we're going on almost two hours. This is the longest instant reaction ever. There are still also, things we haven't even talked about, too. I know. Like, there's so much Gozer? story. Huh? Gozer. Scary. That's Olivia Wilde, right? Is it? I think that's Olivia Wilde. She doesn't Nobody look else has cheekbones like that. She doesn't look exactly like Svetlana, whatever, from the original no. movie. Like her eyes aren't I red. Instead, her eyes are Olivia black Wilde. and empty. Yeah. But the way that they like redid the bodysuit with like, and then with the CG, like Ooh, weird yeah. electricity it's through it. Very cool. I love the way that temple looked. And yeah. also, when we are in the Walmart and the terror dog first shows up, and it's a giant animatronic again. Yeah. <laughs> and it looks so, it's a practical effect. Yeah. And it looks so scary and good. Yeah, super scary. And it has one funny moment, which is when it jumps on his car and the tire pops and yeah. the terror dog looks down at the tire. <laughs> um, but that's it. And again, they're not, they don't have Paul Rudd riffing and quipping and like, Breaking the fourth wall. He's running in terror for his life. And yeah. that thing's fucking trying to kill him <laughs> or yeah. possess him. Yeah. I thought the special it, effects in this were great. Oh, yeah. It looked amazing. Like, it, it looked everything. Yeah. It looked like a modern version of 1984's effects. It didn't look like they were like trying to do their own thing. Like, the way the transformation happened, it, it looks like they just took. It's just a it's just a modernized version of even like when the spirits are like floating through the city or whatever with like that weird like pink like shooting star kind of look. It, mm -hmm. They recreated that. The yeah. fucking temple looked amazing. It, it, it seriously like the excavation site was like. This is like some Indiana Jones shit. This and like in yeah. the best way possible. I was like, this is this is what Kingdom of the Crystal Skull probably should have looked like. I mean, it's just <laughs> oh my god! And just even though how it's concealed most of the movie, it's just like these tatters. Like yeah, it's oh, super spooky. It was spooky, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and the the stroke of genius of just going back to that Elmer Bernstein score. Which is oh like ethereal and so creepy perfect. and lighthearted and funny and all at the same time. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I, when we agreed to do this, I just said to you, I said, <laughs> it's not a perfect film, but I just said it's perfect. As a fan to me, it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't add, I mean, in an ideal world, we would have got a, a really good third Ghostbusters with the original crew and. That's never going to happen now, but we got a really good third Ghostbusters with about 10 to 15 minutes of the original crew. Yeah. And yeah. it worked. Yeah. Yeah. 
It doesn't feel pandering. It doesn't feel schmaltzy. It doesn't feel like a cash grab. It feels like a just a, a movie people gave a shit about. It's yeah. a shame that it took like uh, a real life death. And a studio that refused to make this movie before uh, because according to the Sony leaks, they thought that the guys were too old and that nobody gave a shit about old people in movies, according to Amy Pascal. <sighs> and that's the part of the story that nobody like wants to talk about. That's what turned the fan base off because two years before that movie ever had a trailer drop, those emails leaked in 2014. And everybody saw what they had to say about old people and the and her talking shit about the Ghostbusters fan base, about like, well, well, they'll pretty much take whatever we'll give them, blah blah blah. That's what turned a lot of people. Was there misogyny mixed in? A hundred percent. But they 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 shit the bed two years before they even cast a single woman. Before they announced Paul Feig was even director, they shit the bed mm. because. The studio's cards were laid bare to a bunch of people on the fucking internet that, hey, this thing that we love that we've kept alive through our fandom that you have put out pan and scan DVD releases for. You took VHS fucking pan and scan, you put it in a DVD with no special features for the fucking 20th anniversary, and we still bought this shit. And, you know, just you let the fucking Ecto one rot. You, you just, you, you yeah. misused all of this. And now you're like, ah, fuck the fans, fuck them. If we can't get Bill Murray uh, on board to do marketing, we'll sue him, we'll take him to court. All that stuff leaked. So no matter what they put out in 2016, it would have been rejected by the hardcore fans, let alone a fucking reboot that said so none of that ever happened and yet was marketed as a legacy sequel. It was just, it was absolutely blundered. And in a way, thank God Paul Feig shit the bed because <laughs> I don't know that we ever would have got this. Yeah. yeah they had know. to lose a quarter of a billion dollars to realize like, well, maybe we should make an actual movie. So thank you, Paul Feig, for Ghostbusters <laughs> Because <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun so good thank you paul fig for a simple favor and thank you <laughs> for spy spies spy is funny uh bridesmaids is fine you've done some good work but the best thing you've probably ever done is made a terrible <laughs> terrible unfunny comedy that gave us ghostbusters afterlife <laughs> yeah you squandered the talent of five amazing hilarious women yeah, five. Yeah, because Cecily Strong's in that too. Uh, and now we got this, and it's wonderful. And we got a great female Ghostbuster whose t talents were not squandered in Phoebe. And as a lifelong Ghostbusters fan, this movie now has me on board with the 12 year old kid Ghostbuster, which sounds like a yeah. fucking stupid idea. <laughs> but again, it's like the bastard son of Apollo Creed. What a stupid idea. Not if it's done well. Right. Exactly. So uh, I'm going to see it again uh, in theaters, which I don't know the last time I did that. Um, it's been a while. Um, 
Any final thoughts? I know I talked well over you, but <laughs> you you had a lot to say. Um, just I truly don't remember the last time I went to a movie where I laughed out loud and cried and jumped. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, that doesn't happen. Yeah, I. Like, I will think jokes are funny, but I don't always laugh out loud. And some of the shit those marshmallows were doing to each other in Walmart, I was <laughs> cackling. Yeah. Like, like, in the blender. I was just like, what the fuck is going on? It was the, so funny. The one that tries to walk across the grill, oh, to, the get, grill? <laughs> to, get, to get the other one's hat that fell off. And then it's like gruesomely starts melting and screaming yeah. and falls yeah. to the grates. That's a dark, funny shit. It's so fucked up. Yeah. It's just, ah! like he's dying yeah. a painful death. And then they're like blowtorching the chocolate to melt yes. over the other one. They're making s'mores out of each other. Like, what the hell? It's almost like they got a studio note of like, we need a baby Yoda in this. And Jason yeah. Reitman or whoever wrote the script was like, okay. We'll give you your baby Yoda. Yeah. And then they were like, right. what if he, what if little, what if Porgs or Babu Frick or all these cute little things were, what if they were demonic <laughs> men who tortured each other in very yeah. graphic ways? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, put them in the trailer, market them to kids. Yeah. They're so, they're so ridiculous and over the top. Yeah. But I, I was dreading their yes. inclusion in this when I saw that clip and it worked so well. And then yeah. I also was just delighted that podcast climbs out of the Ecto one covered in marshmallow because he's been dealing with them. Just him just going insane. They're just everywhere trying to sabotage everything. And I, I love it for this fictional character. I love that podcast gets to meet Ray and find out that he's, his subscriber is one like, you're my subscriber i cackled in the yeah. theater i was like is this joke just for me i'm like looking around i was like i think this joke is for yeah. me and phoebe <laughs> phoebe goes why do they call you podcast and he's like oh they don't call me podcast i call me podcast yeah and she's like why he's like because i have a podcast yeah. <laughs> nobody else calls him that which i thought was great that's what he wants to be called. Yes. It's like everybody else calls him by just by his real name. And I was like, okay, if you're good. And again, that's like a Goonies thing, right? What was um yeah. what was Short Round's name in Goonies? It was like Gadget or something or whatever. Oh, oh shit. Get, uh uh Let me go. Let me let me Google this real quick. Ugh. People are screaming at their phones and they're if they're still listening two hours <laughs> Oh my god, what's his name? Uh, there was mouth, there was chunk data. Data. Again, so that's a callback to mouth, chunk. Uh, you know, that like remember in eighties movies when kids had yeah. nicknames? Yeah. I don't know. Uh Podcast. data. <laughs> huh? Yeah. I just love that it it's like podcast <laughs> but when you think about it in a modern world yeah he would just be like yeah. some data or mouth he would be podcast yeah yeah it was i loved it 
I love that he's like a, a, of course it's Dan Aykroyd who's his one subscriber for this bizarre supernatural mystery podcast and sometimes food reviews. <laughs> yeah, ew, that kid was great. Yeah, that kid is really good. Yeah, so if you're like, fucking podcast, fucking muncher at the fucking fire hydrant where he, he hears the proton pack fire up and then he kind of like, I don't even know the noise he makes. He's got his little hand and he turns very slow and he kind of whimpers like, oh no, like he doesn't want to be hit by the proton beam again. And it just kind of like stays on him a little bit. It was like, it was just funny. Where he's just like, oh. <laughs> he just wants to eat metal in peace. <clears throat> and so he's just like, ah, he just opens the fire hydrant and takes off. It was, it was great. It was, it was, yeah. My own, I only have two regrets with the movie. It's that I didn't get to see it either with my dad or with a child of my own. Yeah. Or with, preferably with both. Yeah. Um, when was the last time somebody made a multi-generational movie off of a 40-year-old property? Because as great as Creed is, I don't think five-year-olds are like, yeah, Creed, no. you know? No. You know, I just got out of that theater, man. I saw kids the exact same age as I was in 1989. Here's the thing. Nobody could tell me in 1989 Ghostbusters 2 wasn't the best movie ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... And this is a better movie than Ghostbusters 2 in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think kids are going to grow up loving this movie. It's terrified of this movie, having nightmares because of this movie. And that's going to grow into fondness. I think that 20, 30 years from now, this is going to, kids are going to, this is going to be something that a new generation of people have nostalgia for the same way I do for like a Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. And I tweeted it. I just, it's, I, I truly, I, when have you ever heard me say this, the cynic on the show? I just really want to thank everybody involved for making a good movie. Mm-hmm. It means a lot to a lot of people uh, <laughs> for a lot of different reasons. And uh, fucking crazy bastards did it. <laughs> they made a Ghostbusters 3 that's primarily about the ghost of Harold Ramis, and it's wonderful. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah, well, I, it's just wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. So, uh, Lady Juan, uh, what do you, you were on binge movies just this past week? We talked about Tom Hanks. Yeah. I think we're this is going to drop late because we're already past midnight. <laughs> um, uh, I think I'm I'm coming up on screen run for a guest appearance I did for you. Yes, yes, you're going to be talking about the unproduced Alien Three script. We had a fun time. Yes. Yeah, we had a fun time. That's going to be a good episode. So make sure you check out Screen Run. Check out the back catalog of Kevin Smith movies. Check out the back catalog of episodes I have not appeared on. <laughs> and. Um, Check out the back catalog of Lady Juan appearances on Binge Movies. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to see it again with the ghost I'm of Pat, probably. I'm going to try. <laughs> and I'm going to buy this fucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I loved it. I, I, 
I don't know what the fuck the critics are thinking. No, I don't. I, I'm baffled. It's so strange. It's 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 like they responded to their fears. It's like they reviewed their fears of what the movie was going to be based on the marketing and not the actual movie that's on the screen. Yeah. And at a certain point, you have to let go of the impression the marketing is leaving on you. Yeah. And you have to judge the movie for itself. That's what <clears throat> your job is as a critic. Consumers can judge based on the marketing and decide if they want to see it or not. But you have to go see it and then use your platform to inform people that, hey, guys, this is actually good. That's your job when it's good. When it's not good, go ahead. Shit all over it. I don't care. But this is really good. It's sometimes with movies like this, it sometimes makes me wonder, did they actually see the movie for real? Mm. Who would know? Yeah. You don't think some of these people who are very good writers couldn't just write a review based on what they assume was going to happen or based on a colleague's comments about a screener they went to or something. Yeah. I loved it. Well, I want to thank our listeners for putting up with two hours talking about Ghostbusters and its reaction. Uh, 30 minutes of it spoiler-free, an hour and a half spoiler-filled, longest instant reaction in history. Um, my voice is going. I've cried and sobbed like a, like a baby throughout this, and I'm not embarrassed at all because I don't know the last time a movie, an IP movie made me feel something like this. And like you said, the, the, the just... I jumped, I laughed, I clapped. <laughs> uh, everybody in the theater had a good time, women, children. I, it, it just reminded me of what going to the movies used to be like. Yeah. And why we fell in love with movies in the first place, why I'm doing a movie podcast. When we, you talk about the sacredness of going to the movie theater, it was really to have these kind of experiences, you know? I thought mm-hmm. the movie's similar to that because I think this is a, a smarter movie, but. An Independence Day, an Armageddon, uh, uh, you know, when people like put their phones away and gave a shit. And this movie gives you a reason to care. Yeah. And what great characters. And I want more. I want more of the old timers with mixing up with these new guys. And mm-hmm. I want more Dana Barrett gets Sigourney Weaver back on board. <laughs> They're all there. Do That's the thing. Let's do another one of these before we lose another one of the OG cast. Yeah. Let's give us one more with with bring the <laughs> and where the fuck is Rick Moranis? Bring right. him back. Right. We got to go. Got to go get him. Yep. And give me f- more Phoebe. Oh, she's so good. And bring back Jason Reitman and bring back whoever the fuck wrote this movie. <laughs> whoever wrote this movie, bring him back. Don't don't go finding somebody who wrote for like 30 rock you know who you don't bring in? don't bring in mikey day who just wrote home sweet home alone <laughs> that's my final review if you've seen home sweet home alone this is 180 degrees the opposite direction <laughs> that is the that is the devil and this is the ghostbusters and they're fucking gods <laughs> so until next time Bust on. <laughs> 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 <laughs>